in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. I am John Roca. Uh, I am Matt Nost, and we're pleased to be bringing you another week of Top 10 Movie Discussion. Yeah. Uh, out there in your mix, in your world, hope everybody out there is doing well, staying safe, six feet apart, all that jazz. Mm. Um, <laughs> That's it? That's all you got? <laughs> uh, <laughs> nothing's happening. I know that we've started... Shows like yeah. this, but nothing's really happening. So yeah. still, so you know, uh, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge retired today. Did he really? Yeah, I didn't even see that. Holy yeah. shit! Uh, heart condition, and whoa, the last game he played, he said his heart felt super strange. He's known whoa. about it for a while, I guess. Okay, okay, but he passed like, the physical, didn't he? To sign, yeah, uh, with uh, um, the Nets, had to right? Have. Yeah, had to right. have. Wow. Um, but I guess it just really scared him the way he reacted the last time he played or on April 10th. Um, so yeah, somebody I thought was going to be really interesting for them is yeah. now off the board. Hmm. Um, I don't think yeah, they won in the finals. I just don't. I have no, I, I mean, I have no concept. I just have no, I have no idea who's going to be there. They need to get these guys together to play. And we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets, by the way, for those that don't follow basketball, they need to get them to to play together Yeah, to figure out the rhythms. Like they, that's why, Oh, okay. With LaMarcus, is that going to be their crunch time? This will be interesting. Let's get KD back. Let's get Harden back. Let's get Kyrie back from his third sabbatical and fucking run these guys out together. Yeah. Yeah. But, Come playoffs, I trust KD, mm-hmm. and I think Harden relieved of the burden of having to be the guy. Technically, will make him nice and lethal. Yeah, and Kyrie shows up for big games. You just need to get him to show up, literally, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then to go. <laughs> it's like, oh, they they could be. I don't know. The East is a big fat, you know, question mark. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I think Miami is right now in perfect position to once again just kind of slide right on through and end up in those finals. I, or Philadelphia, I guess if Embiid can really, Philly's you know, number draw, one right now. They are. Can they? Can can they stay number one through the playoffs and drag this 76ers team? Can Embiid like bully this team into the finals with Doc Rivers' help? We shall see. I just so many questions. They didn't do yeah. much at the trade deadline. They didn't do much at all. They got their guys. That's what well, they I mean, have. They're tops of the East, so it's not yeah. like they're running away with it. Well, so is Toronto. You know, and nobody really gave a lot of faith into Toronto until Kawhi came there. I don't know if people believe in Philadelphia because they've been, you know, near the top every year for the last few years. They just flame out in the playoffs. Yeah, they've they've got a great defense and an okay Mm. offense. And is that going to be enough in the playoffs? I have no idea. I have no idea. And by the numbers, they're one of the best mid-range shooting uh, teams, uh, which the rest of the league has moved away from. They don't shoot enough threes. Yeah. So 
It's an interesting mix. I I don't know. I don't know. Because then you could tell me it, technically by the numbers, uh, Milwaukee is the most well-balanced team. In right. The, and they're in right. third place. Yeah. So it's it's like a I have no idea. Usually do this in uh, you know there's apex predators on both sides. You're like it's going to be clearly be them, but I don't know who it is in the West right now. Right with uh, LeBron. Jamal Murray going down. LeBron and AD haven't come back. Like I I don't know who the best team here is right now. Technically, other Clippers are playing pretty dynamite. Utah is basically giving me the middle finger right now. That's fine. But I want to see it in the playoffs. That's where I want to see. So I don't know. It's like, uh, this is an interesting year, but for those that don't care about basketball, this has just been gobbledygook for <laughs> two and a half minutes. I wish you did. I wish, you know, whatever, well, whatever you're say, so. People say they enjoy our banter, even though they're not basketball fans. I know. So they, they, I just they, wish they, you could share in, in our shared excitement. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Or shared concern. That's for sure. Yes. Both uh, ways. I know. Both we'll ways. see. Well, if you want to swing it over to entertainment, what are your thoughts on uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, this idea that she will be in Indiana Jones 5, and they just announced today that Mads Mikkelsen will be uh, joining Indiana Jones 5. Does this excite you in any way, shape, or form to have these two way younger actors joining this franchise and being a part of this franchise? Come on, Mads is not a young man. He's younger than Indy. Harris is like 80. Come on. Yeah, but so you want this to turn into red three and you just want it to be a bunch. No, of- I, I'm saying I'm happy that it's a younger person because okay. Indy is so goddamn old. Sure. Um, we used to, what is it? He's 55. Yeah. Matt's is 55. I think Harrison is almost 80. Isn't he like 78? I, I don't know. 70s is in my head. Mid seventies. Trying to be ages. Just kind of sitting here looking at the situation. No, he he's is 78. Yes. 78. 70. Yeah. Yeah. He's an old Phoebe's man in her thirties. But do you like this edition, or do you think it's like? Does this make you want to watch the movie anymore? Having I'm going to see the involved? movie regardless. Okay, so either way, you're in. Doesn't matter. I will okay. see it, even if everybody says it's terrible. Going right. into it, I'm still going to see it. I'm going to see it opening night. Right. Like, I, I don't give a shit. Even if it's bad, I want to see the train wreck. I've loved this character for so long that I'm happy to find take my money type of situation. <laughs> uh, okay. But yeah, I, I I like Mads. What is Phoebe been Waller Bridge? Oh, uh, she was the showrunner for the first season of Killing Eve. She wrote. She essentially created okay. the show. Um, she was. She's the voice of the droid in Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, okay. I know what you're about. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's British. Okay. She was in yeah, Fleabag. Did she do, uh, Fleabag, Fleabag, and yeah, yeah. That's her. Um, Crashing, whatever then, that is. Yeah, the two simultaneous shows that everybody's going crazy over, which is bananas that one person did that. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, sounds great. Okay. I mean, right. literally, what what other entertainment news you got for me? Come on, Outlaw, hit me. All right. What are we talking about? In. Lucy Liu and Shazam 2, Helen Mirren joining that universe as well. So Helen Mirren jumping from one franchise to another Fast and Furious over now to the DC comic side with uh, Shazam. Are you happy about that? Do you like that? They're going to play sisters, Greek mythology sisters. Uh, Lucy Liu Helen Mirren and then uh, another uh, young actress. Um, uh, let me see. Rachel something. She's going to be the lead in um, uh, West Side Story. So I apologize if okay. I don't know it offhand. Uh, but yeah, she is going to be jumping in yeah, to Shazam Fury of the Gods. She will be a villain. 
Uh, her name will be Calispa, Calypso, Helen Mirren. She is joining as, as Hespera and Rachel Zegler. That's her name. Uh, she will be a part. Of, they haven't. I don't think they've announced to Rachel Zegler what role she's going to play, but they're supposedly sisters. And apparently, if, she, if, if Lucy Lou's a villain, I imagine all three sisters are villains and uh, in the mythology of it. So interesting. And they're the second daughter. She's the second daughter of Atlas. So Atlas might have a part in this as well. I, are you excited for Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren? I mean, excited seems strong. Just I don't have the same attachment to Shazam that I do to other mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cinematic properties. Uh, but, <laughs> Sorry about that. Yep. Yeah, I, you know, nothing to, to turn my nose up at on those. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I like Helen Mirren. I like Lucy Liu. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I watched all of Elementary, and she is one half of that show. Yeah, she's fantastic. Uh, she's good on that. Um, West Side Story, I obviously have not seen. So, right. But this is the next young actor on the come up. So they get a few roles, and then if it doesn't, those movies don't take off, then we don't see them again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she's on the rise. Um, okay. And if both of these are successful, then she'll be part of our lives for the next four to eight years, more than likely. Right. Maybe yes. longer. Yes. Yes. Um. But yeah, yeah. Okay. What about okay. you? Are you excited about that? Well, sure. I mean, I, I think it's smart to bring two extremely talented women onto the onto your project. I don't know much about Rachel because I haven't seen her work. Obviously, like you said, we haven't seen West Side Story. Um, I don't anticipate I'm going to enjoy West Side Story or like West Side Story. No. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what a fucking... I, mean, I don't know I, why. I, you know, well, if you, I, you know, if you're going to take on something that's won 11 or 10 Oscars, you better come with the same kind of film that's going to match that. If not, you're wasting my motherfucking time because I can just watch the original, which is incredible. Uh, but the idea of them coming in, I think, makes sense. It adds a kind of nobility, a kind of uh, gravitas to it, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. But also, they're, they're, both of them know how to play comedy without sacrificing the stakes of any scene. So I think they're great additions and it'll be fun. And you know, they're going to get their one-offs, their one lines, their quips and whatever. So it'll be fine in my opinion, overall to see them be a part of this thing for sure. Yeah. I can already Uh, visualize the Helen mirror and she drops a line and like the camera comes in tight and there's just this, she does it in every, (laughs) every movie at this point. She's got a good line and yeah, let's focus in tight. But yeah, I, I mean, I like Shazam. I thought it was a lot of fun and oh yeah. Uh, look forward to the next one. So, right, nothing right. about that one. You know, as I said before, turns me off of it. So, I'm good to yeah. go. Okay. All Hopefully, right. it's great, and it turns into one of my favorite, you know, uh, properties. Yeah, movie. That you can enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm not rooting against it. Let's, hey, let's do this. But uh, the first one was enjoyable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it didn't stand out as like a oh, son of a bitch. I cannot wait for. <laughs> the next Taika Waititi, whatever, after Thor Ragnarok. Right, right. Or, you know, pick a lot of different options. Um, What about the Arclight closing? Cinerama Dome closing? Reaction That's, to that? I mean... Talk to me. Don't they just come back as another, the exact same company with a different name? Who knows? Who knows? I, I mean, it sucks because... That's what you assume, but you never know. I have AMC, but I still paid to see movies at Arclight every once in a while. Oh, yeah. Of course. The only reason I didn't do it all the time is just because Arclight's a little bit more expensive, and this AMC app is pretty fucking convenient. Yeah. 
Uh, the Sinrama Dome, I found out, was the is the only geocentric dome of its size on the planet. Not in the country, not in the state, on the planet. Uh, that is so pretty incredible in its uniqueness. Um, but yeah, yeah, like you. But I think the rest of the planet came to the realization that this is a really weird <laughs> idea. We don't need to do this again. It's a cool one-off. It's great. I've seen movies Let in the Cinerama Dome. And yeah. They're awesome. That's why it's it's someone that's going to buy that property. We'll still be able to see movies there. Will it be Arclight? All the people you know, reminiscing on Twitter? Yeah. yeah. Walking in and you see the big clock and all the employees are cognizant of showtime. So they're, hey, when do you need to get out of here? And I yeah. guess and the pre-movie, the usher comes in. I love that. Yeah. yeah. They do a breakdown and exits are here and it just it's a lot of fun and the ones that get into it everybody appreciates it yeah it's seeing movies with adults usually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um or people that really care about cinema so it was nice right i will i will miss that but somebody's buying that location the others probably just get folded into regal or amc <laughs> or somebody else someone uh one of my friends found a picture of this someone put spirit of halloween sign over the center <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, we've already got a superstore off the five of one of those. Do we really? Uh, need yeah. That? <laughs> no, need another one. How does that thing stay open year round? And it's I fucking huge. For for know, those that don't live in Southern California, you drive from L.A. down to Orange County or going anywhere south of L.A. And yeah. what is that? Just between the seven ten and six oh five. Yeah. On the eastern side of the five, which heads north south, there's just a huge former business complex or something that has turned into one giant year round, massive spirit Halloween store. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. They have a bank of windows that goes on for like a hundred yards and every window, they have a different costume. That's how fucking big this is. (laughs) How do you stay in business? What's your overhead on this place? Yeah. I wonder myself, you know, but I guess people are always buying costumes for like, uh, I don't know, for uh, parties, for events, for, um, performances, theater stuff. Yeah, I guess I, I just lot. assumed whoever the franchisee owner is for, like uh, that owns yeah. ten other smaller satellite stores, and that acts as the warehouse slash storefront. Oh yeah, good point. And Great. they good ship point. out. That's that's my assumption. Every time I drive past, I'd be like, that dude has to own others to help subsidize the cost, of, and he's monetizing his warehouse space in essence. Yeah, yeah. It's the only way this makes sense. Otherwise, that's a fucking drug front. And why has nobody in the DEA been knocking uh, down the front door of that? That's a fucking drug front, otherwise. Allegedly, allegedly. I don't want to get in trouble. Allegedly. How else does it make money? I'm not, I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm what? not getting shot. You think, shot you think the, the owners of that specific business? Bro, I, I never know who listens to our show. I never know how people find our show. I'm pretty it's sure it's always safe. crazy. Pretty sure we're safe. Them mm. is less words. Uh, what else is happening? Is there anything Pretty else? sure we're safe. <laughs> Willing to bet my li- life on that one. Yeah, all right. Uh, uh, what else have we got here? Yeah, Arclight Cinema. Ah, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, did you see that Army of the Dead trailer? Did you get a chance to watch that one as well no, or no? I did not. Okay, all right. Fast all and right. Furious came up on Twitter last night, and I was like, I, I want to see what kind of stupidity this is <laughs> let's see where they go now um, magnets bro <laughs> i love how much damage they cost these fuckers would be in jail for nine million years like honestly 
Uh, all the damage they cost, like just Brazil alone. I, there's no organization that'd be like, you know what? We'll just kind of write this off. No, there's no organization that would allow you to do that. None, none, zero, nil, no, none. Come on. Yeah, there's so many, so many issues, but that's fine. <laughs> it's that it, it doesn't exist to satisfy that itch. That's you know? true. That's true. That's a fair. It's point. to escape that and everything else. Yeah. God, yes. Yeah, you need to God, unplug yes. your brain when you go in to see this. Oh, yeah. You can't be trying to find logic in this shit. No, it'll just frustrate you. Yeah, it'll anger you on so many and levels. It's th- why I don't watch them. It's like, this is just too preposterous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only seen bits and pieces of the trailers over the last... I think I've seen in total a two and a half Yeah, of them. Of okay. the now eight, nine. Um, well, and then I guess if we're counting Hobbs and Shaw, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. But Hobbs anyway. and Shaw, there you go. Why did you uh, see the Army of the Dead? It looks good. Oh yeah, yeah, it looks good. It looks fun. It's going to be in. Um, I think it's going to be in the theaters in the middle of May, and then like the next week, it's dropping on Netflix. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to see it. Huh. Yeah, so it's a, it's definitely a Netflix movie. So, but they're gonna try and put in some of it. I would try to do some theater showings of the movie if it's showing anywhere here in San Diego on IMAX. I'm gonna go see it for sure. Explain to me the economics of that Ryan, uh, that Ryan deal with Knives Out two and three. Four hundred fifty million dollars. It's just guaranteed money. It's guaranteed money. These are murder mysteries, Matt. You never know what could happen. If he if he does the sequel and it's not that good, he doesn't make any money. This is a way of front loading the situation where you're like, okay, I'm gonna pocket my money, I'm gonna oh, make my movie, and then I'm done. I agree with his side of it. Yeah. From Netflix. Oh, Netflix. Side. It's about prestige, right? It's like, you know. But you're paying 450 million for this? Yeah. Well, you've got the money. Netflix has a lot of investors. They spent they what do. eight billion? Like two years ago, on all their content to bring it over, it's all about prestige. I know, but you need to spread that around to get even more. Con- you're in a content war. Yeah. It's, now that everybody's pulled away their products from you, you don't have all the Disney stuff that you formerly had, or Paramount, right. or any of the rest of or it. Friends, or any of that stuff. Yeah. Right? So you need TV shows, all and you stuff. need everything that lasts. To me, I just right. on the outside, like I understand needing the. Knives out two and three type of stuff, but to mm-hmm. invest four hundred and fifty million dollars into two movies, those things. I mean, if yeah. they're hits, it probably pays off for you. But if they don't, you're right. I mean, you're fucked. Well, maybe that's the way they look at it. Like, um, we've got all this money freed up now because we don't have to pay for Friends or Office or Parks and Rec or the Disney stuff or anything. So now we have money to spend. Let's start to let's adjust our approach to our brand and go after these like bigger name movies, these bigger name talents. Let's write the let's sign these people to exclusive deals like Shonda Rhimes and Ryan Murphy and have them produce their stuff on our um, side of things. And it'll attract more people. Uh, so in essence, I mean, yeah, they're spending a lot of money, but I, I feel like it's money they have left over or money they saved from losing these properties. Yes. So they might still be working very much not at a loss, uh, but I don't know. I haven't done the books for Netflix, so I don't know, yeah. but I just assume when you need to replace 
seven seasons of this TV show and yeah. six seasons of this TV show and whatever, whatever, whatever. It's like, that's a yeah. shitload of content that people were coming to you for. Yeah. To put all that investment into two, two hour movies mm. when it's about content, you need more and more and more content. Right. Just to keep up. It's a fucking arms race. But maybe um, they think if they go this route, they'll get more subscribers because people will tune in to see possibly. this kind of content exclusively here. You know what I'm saying? It's This is the only place you're going to get to see these Knives Out movies or whatever else they've got. Like HBO Max, this is the only place you're going to get to see the Zack Snyder's Justice League or any of the DC movies is here. You know, It's crazy. For now, but they're going to go back to a release schedule like they always had, and then have some sort of they'll, they'll oh, you be mean a in the theaters, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Netflix, like you were investing mm-hmm. a lot up front. Well, a lot of people are saying, as we mentioned, the Arc Light or whatever is that they might buy the Arc Light, they might buy the Cinerama Dome and show their movies there, and that'll be their way around that kind of Oscars thing. And they'll buy one theater, kind of like the El Cap at Disney here in LA, and the, yeah, and they'll just show their movies. On rotation in the theaters to get uh, them to qualify, and, yeah, for the awards that raises the prestige. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought they already owned and Amazon already owned in this town at least a theater. Not yet. I don't think yet. I don't think yet. <sighs> Doesn't? I'm pretty sure Amazon owns a theater here. I only think I only know that Disney does. I know. Yeah. 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 This is from 2020. Sources say Amazon wants to buy AMC theaters, but it does yeah. not have the capital yet. You are correct on that. I'm reading yeah. the same thing so, on. Uh, yeah. And they're trying to buy Landmark in 2018. Some of the stories. Okay. Yeah. So uh, there it is. Netflix yeah. owns the Egyptian. Oh, right. They bought the Egyptian. Well, that's yeah. the Egyptian. I mean, like to see, to Still me, that's, that's not the same thing in my mind, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, but I, I knew that one of them already owned, so they can get yeah, that. They just got to show their movie on their theater, right? And right. they qualify. Surprised Amazon hasn't done it yet. I guess they're spending all their extra money, you know, stymieing unions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you said that I didn't, but I agree. I, <laughs> I think it's pretty clear they did not want unions, and uh, yeah, yeah, at least in one state thus far, they are not going to unionize. I just love how Biden is totally silent about this shit. Like, yeah, he said, you know, they should look into that you know, unions. Is that like, no, you, he could have come out way more forcefully he to come have. after Amazon. But clearly, there are some people who contribute to that campaign that he doesn't want to piss off. So. I, I think it's also too a function of you have you have only so much political capital that you can spend at any yeah. given time, and he wants to pass his infrastructure bill. He wants to. You know, dealing with Russian spies right, right. now kicked 10, 10 diplomats out of the country. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and the Supreme Court justice stuff now that he wants to push forward to 13. That's the new yeah. thing this morning. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll see. So it's you got to pick your battles as to where you're going to invest the power of the presidency. And yeah. it sucks. Sometimes, you know, things get cut that you feel are worthwhile and uh, just causes. I feel like fighting for American workers that have to piss in bottles and shit in bags in order to do their jobs is a place to spend your political capital. But that's just me. That's just me yeah. overall. So, it's, But you're right. You got to pick and choose and see where it works for you. Maybe you, you think these are better battles, yeah. more well, higher profile battles. Then it gets have. into discussion of like, oh, well, why does 
individual A makes so much money and then people that defend that and be like, well, this is fucking America and you can make as much as you can make. True. True. It's like there's nothing wrong inherently within that system because we all agree to that system. Like you're not wrong. Right. We did agree to the system. We did. Or at least we were born into it. Um, Yeah. Right. Right. That too. But yeah, I know what you're saying, but you don't, you don't (laughs) fucking see why this is a bad thing. Come on. Really? Really? (laughs) Really though? Really? Really? Yeah. Just turn into a 12 year old. Really? (laughs) But that's, I just like, you're right. You're not, you're not wrong. I agree (laughs) with the merit of what you're saying. I just believe the, we have a different view of, from this vantage point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just comes down to uh, you can't focus on every issue and make it a full thrust of the presidency. Right. Um, but you just can't. Yeah, you can't. It's just uh, then otherwise they're all meaningless. Right. Because um, you're spread too thin. Your messaging is all over the place. You're not hammering home specific points like, you know, the people are dumb. And can you imagine trying to speak to 350 collective dumb people? You know? Yeah, that's it's true. It might you got to repeat the same thing. No, I said this. <laughs> I am saying this and I'm going to yeah. continue to say this and then have to come back a week later. This other guy said, you said this. I never said that. Go back and listen or read whatever you got to do. But this is what I said. And this is where yeah. I stand. <laughs> and then some other idiot. It's just, I, that job's got to be so great and frustrating. Sure. Just brutally frustrating. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to be president. At the same time, I would hate to be. It's got to be the worst. Oh, my God. There's so much. Yeah. There's so much to balance and figure out where yeah. you're going to go and what to do and who to... Because you're always going to piss people off. And it's like, well, who can I afford to piss off this week? Who can I afford to not piss off? And then even though you make a calculated decision and you look at all the analytics... You never see other things coming that are part of this situation yeah. that you didn't anticipate. But, and now you look like an idiot for wasting your political capital on that. What about, like, <clears throat> yeah. Think, think about this though. So say yeah. as, as if, uh, if the dude knew we, we knew name was named Ted, right. And Ted mm-hmm. is president. We got old Ted Lasso as president type of thing. Nicest oh, fucking guy. I'd love that. I'd love nicest that. guy. But for whatever reason, we all know that in the state of Washington, they hate Ted Lasso. They mm-hmm. voted only 14% of the population of the state of Washington. So then when he has to travel there as president, even those people who have never met him, they all collectively hate him. Yeah. Hate. And can you imagine as being president, like having to travel somewhere, knowing that 90% of the people that you're going to run into wish you were fucking dead. Just maybe not actually, but just right, like, right. I, hate, I hate you. I, I kind of like those odds. I kind of like those odds. I like wading into that 90% of people. Like, what do you got? What do you got? What do you hate about me? What do you got? I like that. They've never even met you. They don't That's even know who you are. You are a, a, an abstract idea to them on some level. Yeah. So but they hate you why. for... Go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry, Matt. Go ahead. They hate you for what? Well, like just, just uh, you know, obtuse. Yeah. Right, right. They, they don't actually know who you are. They just know your stances. And that's not exactly all the entirety of an individual. Right. Uh, anyway, well, you know me at the live event in Chicago, I risk the hatred of two continents or in London, rather, I risk the hatred of two continents. So or two countries in Australia and New Zealand. So um, but like <laughs> I don't have a problem at wading into a group of people that hate you because I think there's what I've discovered being in this over the last few years on this public forum is that like 
when you actually go back at people for the shit they hate you for, they actually back down most of the time. And cause they're even surprised you responded. And then you have the back and forth. And most of the times they end up like seeing your point of view. They may not agree, but they see your point of view. So I would love to wait into 90% of the people okay. who hate me in a state and be like, okay, what is your problem? What is your issue? What do you got? All right. This is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. No, no, hear me out. Don't cut me off. Cause you're going to get the, you know, hear me out. We're going to all constructed. Uh, and if they're willing to listen, I think there's a common ground, not an agreement, but a common ground that can yeah. be met. But if they're not, I love your altruism. Listen, I'm just saying. <laughs> now go, go to Montana where there are militia groups and explain to them why maybe an AR-15 is not mm. home protection, and they are going to wish you dead. And it doesn't matter what Probably. you fucking say, they hate you before you got there, Probably. and they're going to hate you even more after you left. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you say. I'm just situations like you're that right, where right. Yeah. someone is so diametrically opposed and be like, you don't even know me, but I know you want me dead. I know you do. <laughs> That's fucked up. I, I don't disagree. That's where the job where you know you have to have a constant security detail. Right, right. And then you start well, thinking about what that actually means. Well, when you see that those those guys are fucking planning uh, kidnapping government officials, you know you're dealing with yeah. pretty unstable people who under don't or just and, mad because they didn't win an election. And we're we're part of the reason as well that political figureheads need security details as a country. Oh yeah, right, right, right. We you know we we've done it a few times in the past, and yeah. Uh, yeah. we know the type of security that we should have around an individual because these are the plans that we've used. So right. why don't we protect against those and everything else that we can conceive of? Yeah, it's uh, crazy. That's a fucked up thing. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Well, speaking of politics, our our, yeah. our uh, topic today uh, certainly certainly connects because uh, uh, it is the top ten Clint Eastwood directed movies, and certainly Eastwood has been a a vocal guy about his uh, side of politics and his points of views. Uh, you know, uh, famously uh, ridiculed for speaking to a chair, an empty chair at the RNC convention one year. But I have to tell you. I met this gentleman when I uh, did a junket, uh, one of my last junkets for Collider, and I interviewed him for Richard Jewell. And he was one of the most incredible gentlemen, the nicest person. Mm -hmm. He stood up and shook my hand after the interview. I just was blown away by that because I'm like, you you don't, I'm no one in comparison to you. Yet he was such a gentleman. And Paul Walter Hauser was there as well. And he was great, but like, Clint just was so surprisingly interesting that I would, I I left that interview being like, I would love to be able to know this dude. I would love to be able to go on a Sunday, every Sunday, just hang out for a couple hours over beers and listen to his point of view in the world and what have you. And so whatever, we probably don't agree politically, but Mm -hmm. I felt that this was a, a guy I could have a conversation with about whatever. And I really appreciated that experience. So I'm excited to get into this list with you and talk about these movies. And I was really worried, Matt, because we've done top 10 Clint Eastwood movies. I was afraid it was going to be all Clint Eastwood. It was be the same list over again, but it actually isn't. So there'll be some yeah, no. different movies we're going to talk about for sure. Is he in some? Yeah. Yes. Right. Sure. Of course. It's unavoidable. Uh, yeah. But there are others of, uh, of those that, um, you know, now I'm just not as big a fan of as I once was. Mm, mm. Like uh, there are two in particular, which is like if I go back and watch that, I just don't enjoy it like I once did. Yeah, that's um, fair. And there's still there's one that's going to be on your list that came up on another actor's list a couple weeks ago. Okay. 
I didn't make time for a three and a half hour movie. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. yeah. I, I want to. I yeah, knew when right. we agreed to this, I was like, not gonna have time to see that this week. Um, so that doesn't make mine list. I'm sure it makes yours. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a wide range, and uh, that's it's nice that he, you know, was a gentleman. It really was, dude. I was yeah. surprised. Absolutely surprised. Move. Yeah. And uh, uh, I'll be I'll be honest with you. I, I you know I like the movie, and it made my list. So I'll just reveal that right ahead of time. I'm not going to tell you where, but it made my list. So we'll 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 be discussing it I've, at least on my end. So I've met a few individuals uh, that specifically is like, oh, I'm so-and-so. I'm not going to name drop who it was. Mm-hmm. And I just, every time I'm like, you know that I know, but I appreciate the <laughs> fact that you're acting like we're strangers. Yeah. Hi, I'm Matt Nost. <laughs> uh, just right back at him, which is like, I'm going to yeah. treat you like the fact that I don't know who the fuck you are. That's fine. I have yeah. zero problem with that. <laughs> I cannot fanboy out. This is easy. <laughs> but you do. There are moments where you're like, you wanted you. I really want to ask about this though. What about this? Yeah. Uh, but I won't do that. Um, but yeah, to stand up, shake your hand, treat you like a man. Yeah. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. That's awfully kind of you. Yep. Um, uh, so yeah, right. once we set a topic, we uh, go our individual ways and create personal top 10. Let's show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one piece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. And 10. Yeah. I've got Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Ooh, that's all you, brother. Go ahead. I strangely really enjoyed it the first time that I saw it. Okay. Um, because I think now other people's perception of it has colored. Oh, right. Because of spacey and what have you. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and and, and uh, people tell me that it was just fine. It wasn't that good. Mm. And be like, really? I remember liking that. Um, the best, you know, in hindsight, looking back at it, Spacey playing a Southern gay guy really works. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't know that he was gay at the time. Right, right, right. So it, I was impressed watching it. I was like, wow, this seems, you know, he's dialed into this. Cusack, it's a good movie for me, at least, uh, from yeah. Cusack. And he plays like a journalist or a reporter or something Yeah. down in uh, Charleston. Is it Charleston, South Carolina or Savannah, Georgia? It's Charleston, South Carolina. It's, oh, maybe it is South Carolina. I thought it was Savannah, Georgia, but... Is it Savannah, Georgia? Let's see. Let me take a look real quick as you talk about it. But it's somewhere that has like its own uniqueness, like New Orleans or something, mm-hmm. and a vibrancy uh, that's emblematic of or representative of like a picturesque South Savannah. on some level. Savannah, it is Georgia. Savannah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Savannah has got its own vibe to it. And I appreciate the the setting of it. And it becomes a murder mystery as to whether or not um, one character, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but I won't say what that character is, uh, murders another. And did mm-hmm. that individual do it or not type of thing. And Cusack is this fish out of water. So he's representative of us. And he just interacts with all the various characters in this story. And it, it's an easy way to implant us into generational kind of, ties between people yeah yeah um so yeah i i liked it for all that it felt very uh, nuanced to me and uh uh subtle and mature and mm-hmm. um i i liked i thought the movie was good i think other people's okay. perception of telling me it's just okay is why it ends up at 10 okay 
All right. Uh, but I, I, I liked it. I would say go see it. It's our it's our list separately. So yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, what's your nine? Uh, nine is Grand Torino. Uh, let's see where's that on mine. That's my eight. Yeah. Perfect time, dude. Uh, what a film. The yeah, the embodiment of an old pit bull. Just get off my lawn. Right. Um, the younger actors are sometimes hit and miss. Okay. Um, because he they're all just he grabbed random people from this community mm-hmm. cast from this like specific community yeah, and some of them were good. Yeah. But I went like, there was a young guy who's if memory serves was like, uh, I'm glad your lines probably as finite as they are, <laughs> but he is really mesmerizing mm-hmm. and plays this, you know, uh, character that is standoffish towards them at first and then slowly yeah. becomes their protector. Like he always was. They're part of the neighborhood and it's, it's kind of like uh, his loss of identity and actually a regained new one. Yeah. I, I like the movie. I think the movie's even more topical now. Obviously, as we've had even more uh, stronger debates about immigration, about pe- people's communities, about what it means to be an American, the idea of color, race, all of that being factored into these situations now. The older, wider generation being afraid of being overrun, all of that mm-hmm. kind of plays into this movie. But it's a movie that deals with it head on. And this is another reason why I think, I, why I respect him as much as I do. Even when he handles political stuff, he's very straightforward. And he's very much like, boo, this is what I'm saying. I'm be honest about the interpretation and the presentation, right? He could have easily made this dude a crusty old hero made the uh, the Laotians, the people from Laos there that he is uh, encountering, like just dumb or worship him. But it's actually really interesting to see their racism compared to his racism. But it's not born from that. Their racism is not born from necessarily wanting to not be around white people. Their racism is, is born of a fierce desire to protect their culture, but and their and their unwillingness to be to kowtow to anybody. And then, and, and in a way that reflects what, uh, how Eastwood is, you know, and, and his approach to it. And it kind of, it's the thing, you know, the, the grandma breaks down, uh, uh, Eastwood's approach to it because they're both so steadfast and stubborn in their ways that there's a mutual respect mm-hmm. that develops and that feeds eventually his getting to know these kids more and having these conversations. Yeah. And he starts to connect with the idea of being an underdog, the idea of being, um, how can I say this? Uh, um, constantly counted out or dismissed or overrun and what have you. Because the thing that's unique about America is we think we're the number one country in the world, yet we also want to play the underdog at the same time. It's one of the most confusing things ever about this country, but it's ingrained in us from birth. Well, you know? we're, we're cast offs from other countries. Well, Yes, a, a big no. I a mean, chunk of the population is. Yeah, they they left. Right, the they left on settlers. their own volition. Right. right yes, right. the early settlers, and then other people were dragged here and changed. Exactly, and forced repatriation, so to speak. So to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then others came over. But I mean, just waves of. So it's like looking around, and this is where I can make something of myself. You don't see how great I am. So right. this like the underdog is kind of built into us. That's what I mean. That's it's, it's a unique thing about this country. It's incredible, and it works. It really works. Yeah, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good, but it works. And so mm-hmm. you see that throughout play out throughout this movie, 
and they're developing relationship when you, and you start to feel like a real connection so that when what happens happens, it is, it almost becomes a fantasy ending. And then the reality of it really hits and you're, you're actually uh, appreciative. It makes you appreciate the movie more that it didn't cop out with a fantasy ending. Um, yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I like I, going into it. I thought it was going to be kind of one note mm. and by the end, uh, just flat out loving it. It's part of that run of every year or every other year. Eastwood is putting out a movie that's in Oscar contention. Yeah. And uh, didn't know if he was fizzling out coming into this one. He's like, yeah. ah, you know, he's put out quite a few over the last, they all can't be bangers. Right. And uh, by the end, I was like, this is good. This is worthy of, you know, I'd have to go back and look at the, the year specifically, but this is worthy enough of being nominated. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And then to see the performances that he managed to get out of these non-actors too. Some of them are excellent. Oh yeah, I thoroughly yeah. agree with you. And the added some of them aren't, you know. Yeah, but part you're going to get that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's fine. Uh, yeah, it's a good movie. Cool. Uh, what's your eight? Uh, my eight is Sully. I didn't see. I haven't seen that movie. So go ahead. Man. It's good. Yeah, it is good. It's ninety minutes. You know exactly where it's going. Holy shit, it's only 90 minutes? It's 90 minutes, man. Fuck, You're I in and out. Today. I might that's, watch it today. Fuck it. it. That's with fucking credits. I think it's like 93 minutes wow. with credits. All right. Yes. It's in and out. It's meat and potatoes, but it's really good. Okay. You know what I mean? It's kind of like Greyhound from Hanks, even though there's another Hanks. Oh, yeah. I loved Greyhound. I had a that, fucking blast I, yeah. in that movie, man. I enjoy Greyhound more than I do Sully, but at the same time, Greyhound is 90 minutes and is telling a very specific small story, right, and it right. doesn't try and reach beyond that, and I appreciate it for that. Plus, it's interesting. Like, when, when when have we ever seen a movie from a destroyer's perspective? Yeah, yeah, right. It never happened, yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's usually the sub dealing with the destroyer and not the destroyer being like, where, where is it? Where is it? Yeah. <laughs> that's got to be cool. <laughs> both sides the navy is one i could never do yeah um and i've got numerous friends and family in the navy and just like of all the armed forces to choose that's the one we're like no thank right. you <laughs> uh i'm fascinated by it, though i love the movies i read the books totally. yeah something i can't do um but uh sully so yeah you uh, there are aspects of it that i didn't know yeah which was interesting okay. like okay. going into the ntsb hearing yeah um and stuff like that the uh is it sets up where um they're investigating him which they have to do from all crashes but you can't tell how serious the investigation is because in hindsight he was just a hero from day one right right um and uh you know from the ntsb's perspective of they still have to investigate it mm -hmm. and treat it as though potentially there's something harmful there because what if there is uh, so you got to find that out. So it was illuminating in that regard. And I think it's for 90 minutes. It's a good movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, should it have been up for awards or anything like that? I don't know because it's, you know, it is what it is. It's me. Right. 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 Okay. Well, no, yeah. I, you know, I got a three hour break between the end of this recording and my next show today. Maybe I'll, I'll pop it. If it's on one of the streaming services, I'll watch it. Cause if it's only 90 minutes, that's a quick watch. So. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. I'm done with that. So, all right. All right. Fair point. Fair point. I, I've resisted it because I didn't hear it was that great. And then, like, some of the trailers didn't really excite me. But if you say it's good, plus, what's his face? Aaron Eckhart. I'm not the biggest yeah. fan of watching Aaron Eckhart. So, I, his uh, part is so. small. Okay. He's standing next to Tom Hanks a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. He's got a line here, there. 
Right. But right. it's it's about Sully. Is Laura Linney the wife? Is that correct? Yeah, it's Laura Linney and then the wife from Breaking Bad. She's oh. on the NTSB panel and okay. uh oh shoot. Ooh. The actor, he was a comedic sitcom actor that did like a couple of sitcoms in the late nineties. Okay. okay. He plays one of the other in DSB. Okay. Um, Interesting. Okay. So that dude, all right. Do you remember the show called Boston common? Of course. The I lead guy that. from that with that weird accent. Who's a comedian. Really? The guy, no, that no, not him. Yes. Dear. Okay. That's what it was. I couldn't remember. Yeah. So the other yeah. dude in yes, dear, the slightly heavier set. It's oh him. yeah. That guy. Okay. I think he started oh. out in commercials and then made the jump to sitcom. Yeah. Um, Michael, Michael Malley. That's the guy. Michael Malley. There you go. That is yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the other dude is one of those, that guy, great older character actors that's been in movies a seven and a half billion times. Oh yeah. Jamie Sheridan. He was on yep. uh, law and order criminal intent for a while. He's been in a yeah. million things. Yeah. Fuck. This is a good cast. Holt McAnally from uh, my Hunter. Yeah. He's, he's in this. Okay. All right. But I mean, if you're expecting the moon, you're not going to get it. But if you're expecting right. like a, oh, this is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen this story from this perspective. Okay. Uh, it's good. Okay. Do you like Tom Hanks? Like, it's got a lot going for it. <laughs> and I think, honestly, I keep harping on it. It's 90 fucking minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, if All movie right. can get in and out and still be rewarding, I kind of, I give it a little bit more because losing that 20, 30 minutes is huge. Right, right. Okay. All right, Matt. You talked me into it. Uh, where? Which is that? Your eight? That's my eight. Okay. So the my ten is uh, Heartbreak Ridge. Go for it. Yeah. Oh my God. Listen, this is oh. I mean, unless he directs the next greatest film ever, Heartbreak Ridge will always fight its way onto my top ten. This I know this is not your standard great film, but mm-hmm. it's a film that I thoroughly fucking love, and it's a film I go back to over and over again to enjoy. And maybe because I've served, and I wasn't a Marine, obviously, but um, having served, there's something about this film that just kind of really connects to me. I love the idea that it's Eastwood, once again, playing kind of a guy who's down on his luck, an underdog in mm-hmm. this situation. You get like Marsha Mason, when Marsha Mason was like the it woman in the 70s and a little bit into the 80s, seeing her kind of come back a little bit and be a part of this movie was great. And Mario yeah. Van Peebles is in this and in a funny part as this rock and roll dude who's in the military, who's in the Marines. But basically he gets hired uh, kind of, it's almost like Hoosiers where it's his, his old friend who hires him to kind of command this platoon. And this platoon is a, is a full of fuck ups and he's got to come in and kind of straighten them out. And he's on his last assignment here because he's kind of crapped out everywhere else he's been because he has a temper and because he drinks and because he fights. And that's Eastwood. So it's an interesting mix of, as you said earlier, castoffs, and they all come together and he uh, trains them, gets them squared away, and they end up uh, eventually going to war in Granada and what happens. But like they also, while they're training, go against the other platoon that is supposedly better, supposedly uh, higher end, and they eventually overcome that platoon, even when that platoon tries to kind of undercut them or undermine them. Uh, it's a really, really enjoyable film for me and a nice nostalgic film from the 80s uh, with great lines, great moments, and Eastwood doing a gravelly voice, Marine, always talking like this the whole time. And I just enjoy 
so much about the movie and uh, I don't know, just uh, one of my favorite mm-hmm. ones to watch and cheer for in essence. All right. It's like the major league of military movies. That's what I would say to, overall. <laughs> okay. I, I just remember it. it was the Saturday afternoon movie when I was a kid. Exactly. Like exactly. Came That's on certain- and I, I've seen it, but I couldn't tell you heads or tails of what happens in it. Cause I, yeah. and I wasn't paying attention. When it was on. Right, right, right. Uh, all right, so now we go to Richard Jewell. That's my number nine. Is that on your oh, list? That's a, that's a punt. Okay. All right, fine. Let's uh, go to where you're at. Uh, my seven okay. is American Sniper. Ooh, that's a punt. Wow. Okay. okay. All right. What's your six? Uh, perhaps I need to see it again. Uh, <laughs> my six is a perfect world. Oh, all right. That's all you, man. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So I, I know during the duration of the years we've been doing the show, I've seen it again in that, uh, cause I want, it doesn't matter. I watched it again and it's a solid performance uh, from Kevin Costner. It was like sure. after his, his apex, you know what I mean? Yep. And he backed off of doing all the directing and producing and whatnot. And we were still collectively pulling for a Kevin Costner, and him in conjunction with Clint, but it didn't, I don't recall it really doing all that well at the box office mm-hmm. or award season or any of that jazz, but it's a nice quiet movie where you've got Costner plays a convict that has escaped. And yep. then he runs into uh, this escapes with another dude. And the other dude is out of the equation relatively quick, but yeah, runs into this family and ends up kind of absconding with the son because he mm-hmm. needs protection. So, you know, uh, or a human shield, you know, type of situation. But it's then then him bonding with the kid as the yeah. kid kind of gets out of his shell because his mother is very overprotective. And at the same time, Costner didn't really have much of a father figure. So he gets to kind of project what mm-hmm. he had been missing onto this little kid. And they have a nice bonding. And then you have the Clint Eastwood story on the, the sideline where he feels as though he put Costner's character down this path. And now he's right. trying to catch him yeah. To hopefully rectify that mistake that he thought he was doing for good reasons originally right. and realize, come to find out all these years later, he made the incorrect decision. And what if that is what? So he's trying to figure it out. And then you got like a uh, Bradley Whitford out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, is it Laura Dern? I think it's Laura Dern. Is it Laura Dern? Oh. Is the woman with on okay. Clint Eastwood's side as they're trying to hunt down Kevin Costner in this case. Isn't she like a deputy or somewhere? Yeah, it's Laura Dern. Yeah, Laura Dern. Yeah. 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 Couldn't tell you who the kid actor though was. Or yeah, is. I thought it was Lucas Black, but it's not. No. I think some it's some kid named TJ Louther, I think. Well, you say kid, so. he's probably 35 now. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. That's right. <laughs> uh, it's nineteen ninety five or something. Uh, yeah, he, he was born in eighty six. So yeah, he'd be thirty. Uh, 35. Yeah, good call. 35. Perfect call. Look at that. Really? Yeah, 1986. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank yeah, you. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah, I think it's a, you know, it's a quieter, smaller movie because it's ultimately just is this polarity between Costner and the little boy. And then as Clint is trying to catch up to him, but yeah. it's the journey that these two go uh, on together. Yeah, it's written by the guy who did, uh, who wrote The Blind Side, 
Snow White and the Huntsman and Little Things. And he did Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. He wrote that screenplay as well. Um, he also directed Highway, the Highwaymen, which is a fucking good movie on Netflix. I haven't watched that yet. The Kevin Costner, oh. Woody Harrelson. Yeah, it's fucking excellent. I really enjoy. Hey, it's that. been one of those I need to watch it type. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, like Lost you- City of Z for a long time. Oh yeah, Lost City of Z. Right, I remember that one. Um, good choice. Though I remember liking the movie a lot, Matt. When I, I, when I, I said I remember liking the movie when I saw it. I just thought there were some. I, it didn't a hundred percent work for me, so that's why I didn't make okay. my list overall. But certainly a good choice. And Costner is fantastic in it, making this kind of villain turn, kind of changing a little bit, but he's perception still, of him. Yeah. yeah. In the, the context of the villains, he's the less shitty of a lot yeah. of options. True, true, true. I mean, he's still anyway, my six. But yeah. All right. Uh, all right. My seven is um, Invictus. Okay. It was a close cut. Ooh, wow. You cut it. All right. All right. Um, I like the movie, you know, uh, Matt Damon, I think is fantastic in the film. I think Morgan Freeman is incredible uh, as uh, Mandela and probably the best Mandela I've seen ever on screen. Uh, and their interactions are what sell me the movie. Their change, their progress. Once again, here's Eastwood once again, dealing with race in his movies, dealing with this difference, you know, for everyone who wants to go off about the fact that he's a red stater or a GOP guy. This is a guy who's confronted race in his movies in a very equal way, and you know, give the just uh, give the man his just due here. Mm-hmm. And in this film, certainly, uh, I think it's one of the best films about South Africa that we've ever seen about the post-apartheid time of South Africa and that transition and how that uh, played out in the way that it did um, in this story. I mean, he has the right amount of epicness to it, but also. Um, is able to make the story small when it needs to be small uh, in the movie. And uh, overall, the ca- I just like uh, the sports stuff really works. I like the anger from some of the people who are on Matt Damon's uh, team and some of the people who are in Matt Damon's life about their frustration with him developing this relationship, but his openness to develop this relationship and uh, Mandela being open to have this uh, conversation, these conversations as well, I think, is what overall sells the movie to me. I mean, it's a it's a actually deceptively damn good. Uh, how can I say it? it's deceptively well directed movie by Clint Eastwood mm-hmm. uh, that I that I enjoyed. So, uh, but it's not on your list, right? Uh, yeah, I liked it, but it just doesn't have. I'm not. I've seen it. I don't think I'll watch it again. Okay. All right. Uh, so then, my number six is the Outlaw Josie Wales. That's one of the ones I just can't do anymore. Wow! Really. Just fucking the, uh, slow for me. I watched it like oh, two I years see. ago, and I was like, "Dude, this just so slow." Let's fucking go. And then by the time it gets to the end, with that you know village society thing they've created, that I have to, I don't care. Yeah. Um. I know. I was surprised when I watched it again a couple of years because I used to really enjoy it. But yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't hold up for me. Okay, fair enough. I mean, everyone's you know we, we all got our feelings about movies i mean for me as a guy who loves westerns you know i'm the outlaw to me i could not put this on it was between this and high plains drifter uh i can't do that one either spot. anymore oh really oh fuck i love high plains. josie wales has a much better shot for me yes. than high plains drifter I agree. and i couldn't do it for josie so there was no fucking chance i was doing it for high plains drifter yeah yeah high, high plains is really a, that that uh, it's, in essence that rape scene is really uncomfortable to watch now and in, in in uh, retrospect, so to yeah. me that has I I get the point, but it's really not the way you yeah. should be handling that situation. Um, 
So, but without Law Josie Wales, there's more here being explored. His connection with the uh, Native American dude and the girl, young girl, and all of that, and his what he's going after. Uh, all of it is a story that I enjoy watching, and I like that it takes its time. I, I, I'm one of those people that loves westerns, so I don't mind a slow western. I don't mind. Uh, do I like, like Assassination yeah. of Jesse James. Yeah, that's a take slow. all the time you need. I don't yeah. give a shit. I am fully enthralled, right, and transfixed. And uh, it just doesn't do it for me. It used to, but okay. it just doesn't do it for me anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so yeah, yeah. Just absolutely love the movie, and it's one you guys should check out. If you haven't checked it out, highly recommend it if you're a fan of Westerns and haven't seen it. Yeah. See what you think. Maybe you'll follow Matt's side of things. Maybe you'll follow my side of things. Yeah, I'm not saying it's Watch. a bad movie. No, right. Because I used I'm, to thoroughly enjoy it. I just, uh, yeah. I was shocked when I watched it again. I was like, man, this is takes too long. <laughs> uh, all right. What's your five, bud? Uh, or bless you uh my five is the punt richard jewel oh okay let's talk about um it's so it's kind of like the other side of the coin on sully sully Mm -hmm. i feel like i knew the story and it turns out i knew most of the story Mm -hmm. richard jewel because i was so much younger i only knew the broad strokes and i didn't know a lot of the discussion of what happened to him behind behind the scenes and the fact that he was uh, railroaded by the FBI mm-hmm. and the press as hard as he was. I thought there was right. some genuine. <sighs> Bless you. Um, thank you. Like uh, there was some merit to it on some level. Right. Right. But ultimately when you watch it and John Hamm at the end is like, I still think it was you. It's like, yeah, but you, because I believe it's because you don't want to be wrong. Not because you genuinely feel that this individual did it. Right. Right. Uh, and how destructive that was to him in the early onset of now we know what to expect. And he was the, one of the first broadsides of CNN is new. This is post Persian Gulf when CNN went from nothing to 24 hour coverage of a war. And we all tuned in because this was, we'd never seen anything like this and became part of a staple of our life. So to have a new story where they could be followed now 24 hours a day, seven days a week was Mm -hmm. Not something we were conditioned to, but I was, as a younger kid, immune to quite a bit of it because it just didn't percolate up to my level. I, I knew right. the man's name. I knew the event. and But it didn't detract from my enjoyment of the Olympics because, you know, I was, what, 11 or 13 at the time, 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so to go back and discover all this about him. And that actor is fantastic. I loved him in I, Tanya. Yep, Paul Walter Hauser. Yep. Yeah. So it just... I think he's great. I hope he continues to work. Uh, oh, yeah. And then Sam Rockwell is always great. Kathy mm-hmm. Bates is always great. Yeah. Uh, John Hamm and uh, the guy, the second actor that plays the other fed with him. Wasn't he like a sitcom actor? Didn't he do? Um, Maybe. Oh, let me see. Cause I know Olivia Wilde's in it as well. Yeah. Olivia Wilde oh. plays the reporter. Yeah. Self. Yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. Uh, who is it? Who is the guy? Right, Sam Rockwell, John Hamm, Paul Walterhauser. Uh, Ian Gomez. Yes, Ian Gomez. Okay. On the Drew Carey show. Oh yeah, Felicity, my big fat Greek wedding. Right. Yeah. So seeing him, you're like. Dude, aren't you like a sick? Good for you. That's why I also what I like about Clint. He'll do shit like that where it's oh, yeah. 
it's clearly either someone whose work they enjoyed or he, he met over right. the years at some party and whatnot. Hey, come and do. He's got all these uh, castings where it's like, ah, I haven't seen that actress yeah. for years or that actor or whoever the case is. Uh, but yeah, it was um, sitcom back. There you go. Ian Gomez. Yeah. Wouldn't have known his name for a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'm in the same boat. With I enjoyed the movie. I, I ding it a little bit because uh, I I do kind of understand people's complaints about what they did with Olivia Wilde's character, and I and I I get it, and I you know like I have to concede a little bit on it. At first, I was really against the criticisms when it did, but then when I did a little more of the research and found out, yeah, this woman can't really defend herself. This woman died, like um, to to to. I don't know what the evidence is that she slept with this FBI guy for information. It's not unheard of. And if you go back and watch multiple movies and even, uh, you know, watch multiple, you'll see that, you know, reporters sleeping with sources is not something that's out of the realm of possibilities. And I think if people are being honest, some of these old school reporters probably did that male or female because they are ambitious and they want to get the story. Uh, so I, I I thought that the film, the only reason I had an issue with that is because I guess now is that because that woman did die and didn't have a chance to kind of defend herself and push back on that. Yes. Uh, some of her former editors did say that she didn't do that. So they were well, kind of upset about the portrayal. Of course, so. because it would besmirch the reputations that they created for themselves yeah. as well. Or they were telling the truth. One of the two, certainly, or a yes. combo of both is possible. But the portrayal um, of her not being well-liked within the office, especially by the other female yeah, that, reporters. When- that was pretty much clear. True, right? That, that, okay. That's what but, I saw. So those individuals, they're giving their perspective of, oh, she wasn't well-liked. Mm. Uh, she was especially you know, mean to X, Y, and Z. Right. So they hear enough background on that, so they tailor the character to yeah. try and represent... That, that's a guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah possibly, possibly. But trying overall, to come together. overall, I think the film is fucking stellar, and I enjoyed it, and I really like Paul Walter Hauser's performance in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of, and I loved Kathy Bates's. Uh, I love that she was nominated for it, and I wish they had gotten a nomination for Paul Walter Hauser as well, because uh, I really enjoyed his performance overall. I, 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 I don't know. Well, yeah, go ahead. What I'd say, I, I if we're going to say he needs a nomination, I think I Tanya. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, he sure. stole every scene he was in effortlessly. You're right. He was great. Um, in that. Yeah. Whereas He's, I don't think Richard Jewell is showy enough. Oh man, to be right. uh, to win a best to get a nomination for best actor. I thought, yeah, I get you, but I thought so. I thought he did a really great work in that. I did. I just don't know if the character transforms so severely and whatnot like you go on this huge journey it seems as though most of it is thrust on him and then eventually he slightly pivots to that final interrogation when he asks them like do you have anything that's awesome right Right. so excellent scene but Um, there, there is to me there is something in his like not exploding, not getting upset. Not there's something in the navigating this situation that mm-hmm. feels authentic and real. And as an actor, restraining yourself but still playing the feelings on your face is a real uh, gift and ability. And I think he does a good job with that. So that when that moment happens at the end, it's even more satisfying and powerful. Uh, yeah. And I thought Rockwell should have been nominated too. I thought Rockwell was great uh, in this thing. Um, 
But I don't know how I feel about John Hamm, to be honest with you. I don't know where I fall on John Hamm anymore. Like, I, certainly, Mad Men, fantastic. When he does comedy, he's good. But the drama stuff doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know. Outside of yeah. Mad Men, it doesn't really affect me. Like, in the town, he's kind of a joke. And in this film, too, he's a little bit of a joke. Um, so it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, him playing stern, yeah, like authoritarian work. like that, it doesn't work. Yeah, he's not a scary guy. No, you know, and always like guy. when he tries to do that, he has a couple different faces with his eyes. Yeah, that he. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but he seems so charming and nice. Of course, of course. That I want, yeah. like, I'm not mad. He's in it. I just, yeah, yeah I agree. Though it's kind of hard to quantify what exactly isn't working because we've we got to know him as this type yeah. of character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder. Uh, I wonder what the I wonder if there's another thing out there, another series out there for him to kind of like come back and play a little more of a dramatic thing. Or if he's just fine. I mean, I don't know financially where the dude is at. Maybe he took that madman money and he invested it wise, then he's fine. Maybe he comes from money because I don't see him appearing too much. You know? No. I, I I would imagine the Mercedes money and the other stuff oh. he does VO for makes him a huge chunk of change. Good point. Madman, I'm guessing he didn't make I mean, he made good money. I'm not saying yeah. he made bad money, but he didn't make network money. He yeah. didn't make, like, the first few seasons, it was critics enjoyed Mad Men, but nobody watched right. it. Yeah, AMC money is not. No, not especially AMC money at that time. They were the, one yeah. of the first, if not the first prestige thing that AMC had that really popped off, and then they had Breaking yeah. Bad after that took it to a whole other level. Right. You're right uh, about but that. Yeah, first, like, three seasons, nobody's fucking watching this. So I'm sure he was making... What do you think? Seven figures over the course of a season? Like he made a few million yeah, dollars? Probably. 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 Whereas sitcom gets big enough, you make a million an episode. Yes. Which is right. obscene. And with friends, that's the real big one. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Oh, I would say Seinfeld. Yeah. Seinfeld yeah. is where the money is. Friends, that's where the money is, for God's sakes. Yeah. Well, Seinfeld, uh, they split a half billion between, you know, Seinfeld and Larry David. Exactly. That was in the last distribution deal in like uh, the, 10 years ago or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, okay. So where do we go now? Uh, that was my five. So my five is uh, Mystic River. All right. That's my four. Okay. I I actually rewatched it for the list because I wasn't going to put it on the list. And then I rewatched it and I'm like, okay, it's actually better than I remember it being. Penn is really trying to win an Oscar in this movie. I don't and, think he should have. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. But, and, but it's still, I mean, Tim Robbins and that, that is just heartbreaking to watch his journey through it. And uh, Marsha Gay Harden is pretty ruthless and Laura Linney's pretty. So all of it, just as you yeah. watch it overall, I think it works. It still works so well. It still carries a weight and a power to it. Um, and the way um, Eastwood uses the camera, I think more than any other film, he does a lot of overhead shots, a lot of God's eye view shots, a lot of moving the camera in a certain way to keep you close, but also above it all uh, as you navigate the story. And I kind of appreciated that overall for the film. So um, it's still as powerful, I guess. It's even more powerful as I watch it now as I'm a little bit older. I understand the beats a bit more of what he's trying to show of a father's journey through this process mm. and how harrowing it can be. Um, 
Yeah, I didn't. I couldn't make time for the other movie that we're apparently going to get mm-hmm. to eventually. Yeah, uh, but I did make time for Mystic Road. Did the same thing because I remember watching it at the time, thinking it's fine. <laughs> I don't know about this best picture and Sean Penn, and even rewatching it, Sean, Sean Penn's part was not so impressive mm-hmm. that he should have won the best you know actor for this. I yeah. went and looked it up. Lost in Translation was that year too. Most people probably give it to Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, First Pirates was that year, and Depp was nominated. Right, I remember that. Yep. Yeah, I need to see Lost in Translation again, but mm-hmm. given the other nomination choices, I actually would give it to Depp. Yeah, okay. I think I could go along with that. That that character to me is the hardest to pull off, and it created a billion dollar franchise from his interpretation of that character solely, in yeah. my opinion. Well, that and Gore Verbinski's direction and, and everything like that, but yeah, if you put somebody else in there and you have the exact same cast, it doesn't work in the slightest i don't any other interpretation now does not work for me yeah fair enough uh but mystic river as a whole yeah it's a it's a haunting movie for Mm -hmm. tim robbins and this loss of youth in the journey that internally he has to go on and i'm amazed that marcia gay harden's character didn't know that about him yeah yeah Good point. That kind of blew me away. It was like, oh, wow, really? How does this not circulate around the neighborhood? And everybody knew this about Dave. Right. <laughs> um, especially with your, what, cousins with Sean Penn or cousins with one of Sean Penn's best friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like, this had to have come up. Yeah. And maybe uh, it does in the novel. And they just adjust uh, perhaps it to it does. the film. Yeah, maybe they adjusted it for the film. Or yeah, maybe perhaps I misunderstood it because it's also the scene where he tells her the two names and he's like, I've never told anybody that, but pretty sure right after he says that uh, she's like, what? What is this? What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, But she is great at the end on the sidewalk. Oh my God. I mean, that alone and the desperation in her eyes and then Laura Lenny looking over and being like, you fucking made this bed. Yep. And you're like, I don't know if you could stake the whole moral high ground, but I know what you're saying. But she's ruthless. They're Laura both. Linney in the movie. Oof. Yeah. Marsha Gay Harden thinks she's doing the right thing. Laura Lenny is yeah. just a, a fucking tiger. Yeah. It's uh, a mama bear gone crazy. Yeah. So sure. Yeah. No holds barred. Um, yeah. So it's just like your assessment. It is much better than I remembered. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's your four? Um. Oh, that was your four. That sorry. was my four. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. So then, my four is uh, letters from Iwo Jima. That's my number three. Yeah, dude. I mean, I watch scenes from the movie on YouTube to kind of make sure if I, and it does. It holds up uh, like crazy. It's as powerful as ever, brother. I wish, on some level, flags of our fathers didn't exist. Yeah, no, you're so correct because you can't help but think about that you film do. as much as you appreciate Letters to You have to I be know. like, yeah, but then there's that terrible it was, counterpart. It's like, well, it's part of this compendium, yeah. Of it's like, and Flags of Our Fathers isn't like the worst movie ever, but it no. aspires to something that doesn't even come close to attaining. And then Letters from Iwo Jima yeah. comes out after that, and it's the flip side it's a much quieter somber smaller story in the midst of this huge worldwide event 
Mm-hmm. And it's this tiny little sulfuric fucking island that is utterly meaningless outside of you could put an airstrip on it and it becomes a base. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you need to protect either your island or your troops coming in behind you from the U.S.'s perspective. So this patch of almost meaningless rock any other time in human existence becomes so vital. But it's just them knowing this huge tidal wave is coming on this yeah. small little island and the the tension and release of that, I think, is, is beautifully done. Yeah. Agreed, a thousand percent. The 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 letters, the acting, the, the 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 construction of this film, overall, the look, the colors that they use, or the dearth of colors that they yeah. use at times to kind of convey the desperation and the fear and the um, uh, universal human experiences and emotions that they are going through on the precipice of war, and casting these incre- this incredible Asian cast to play these parts to really help you feel the weight of their experience. And this was the enemy. This was the enemy, but they mm-hmm. are soldiers who are, who took the job, uh, you know, or, or, or part of the, you know, to, to, to make money or to live a life or to do some kind of something that in their culture is noble and be a part of their and represent their country. And they're in this war. So they have to fight oh. on this side. And it's a great kind of like, it's a ballsy. Once again, here's Eastwood showing you a different perspective on something that we've held so fast as a stereotype. You know, the, the Asian people were bad. The Japanese were bad at that time. And it's like, these are human beings who got into a war. And from their point of view, they have this perspective and they have a job to do. Yet they love, they fear, they worry, they uh, fight their loyalty, their friendship. It's all there. And we as human beings can connect to that. And I thought the film does yeah. a really great job of, of, of conveying that. Yeah. Not always are troops the embodiment of the policy. Yeah. Not always. Sometimes they are. Sometimes sure. they are. Like what the sure. Japanese did in China during that time. Yeah. Atrocities left and right. Or, But you could also say the difference between the SS and a, a random U-boat individual. Mm-hmm. The U-boat is, uh, you know, potentially has no idea that those concentration camps exist and they feel like they are just out defending their country and from the, you know, whatever the case is. Yep. yep. You're not necessarily the the worst policies. Sometimes, though, you are. Yeah, sure. Sure, and sometimes. Cer- yeah, certain individuals specifically sign up for duty like that. Like, okay. Um, but in this, it's just, they're protecting a small, meaningless little island that has military, tremendous military significance, and that's about it. Yeah, uh, that's it. <laughs> that is literally about it, man. Iwo Jima is nothing. Yeah. Out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but it just gives the U.S. an easier airbase to get into potentially than firebomb and nuclear bomb the living yeah. shit out of Japan itself. Uh, and the, you know, these guys are also soldiers for the emperor and the emperor is a, not quite living God, but right. a, you know, it's the exists on a different plane type of thing. So yeah. there's a fervency that for your democratic troop yeah. may not be there as much. Uh, and you grew up with this from birth. Yeah. Like you are conditioned to believe this from birth. It's so easy for us on the outside to look at that and go, why don't you see the mistake you're making? And it's like, no, you condition that to believe that from birth. A common, a common gift, 
at least so I've read, two Japanese soldiers upon leaving World War II from their their mother and father Mm -hmm. was a small sword to commit suicide if they were ever captured or failed their task. And that was like, basically, you are protect us all. Like, you are out there. And it's like, Jesus, (laughs) that is indoctrinated in them before they've left. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cultural pride and heritage to sacrifice oneself for the good of all and also the emperor. And you're like, that is a different ethos and understanding of human existence than your enemy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, to see a movie from their perspective. And then after, after flags of our fathers came out, I had no expectations. And then everybody's like, this was, the, this was good. Mm-hmm. They were correct. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, less said about flags of our father, the better. Uh, all right, so where that was your three. So then, uh, yes. my three is American Sniper. Oh wow! From earlier, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I like this movie, dude. Um, I really, really enjoy Bradley Cooper's performance. I think what you see here is the preview of what we're going to see in A Star Is Born, uh-huh. and I just thoroughly enjoy watching him in this movie. They even made me care about Sienna Miller, and I don't really care about her as an actress. And I <laughs> thought she was damn good in this movie. Uh, and I like the journey as a real story. And of course, the outside stuff and people can, you know, whatever, all that. But I'm talking about the movie. And I like sure. the journey that he goes on. Uh, it mirrored uh, a lot of my feelings after certain events in, in this country. You know, like after 9 11, I almost signed back up again, certainly had those feelings. Of course, his is after the, I think the Oklahoma city bombing is when he joins, but the nine 11 stuff affects him to come back and all of that. So his progression mm. through it all uh, and his struggle with it, you know, and again, this is what's so great about Eastwood as a storyteller. And as a filmmaker is he takes these uh, um, uh, stories that could easily slide into conventional approaches and challenges you to, look at this guy warts and all and navigate your own feelings as you're watching him do the things that he does. And I think he does a really great job with this movie, with the cinematographer, the cinematographer in the movie is the cinematographer on the movie is incredible. Uh, the look of it, the story, and then of course the sad ending. Uh, so that those are the things that sell me on the movie. I just Brad Bradley Cooper's performance just really gets inside me as I'm watching it. Um, and the time goes by like that when I watch this movie. And okay. once again, it may just be because I've served in the military. Not that I've ever served in a theater of war. I'm just saying I've served in the military and I've connected with people um, who did and heard their stories. And I think watching this movie was like kind of connecting to me on, on different levels. Uh, and I thought it was very authentically well done by East. Uh, yeah, it ends up, it ends up lower on my list for for this reason. It's good enough that it overcame the fact that when I went in to see it, I already knew the guy's backstory because I remember mm. the original. I used to have a subscription to the New Yorker, mm. and I remember the original story that, that was put out, and then the follow up of, "Hey, this guy might be kind of full of shit." Yeah. So, and then the more they went into it, it's like he did some things. We're not saying he, there's the confirmed kill, but then some of the stories that he kind of built up around him to create the myth of the individual almost right. you can you can poke a lot of holes in these so mm-hmm. how much water does this actually hold and the movie is still so good that it makes yeah. my list and i enjoyed it coming out knowing mm-hmm. that it might be a lot of you know horse manure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so 
that to me is why it still makes my list. It's a good movie. Most people have it higher, but I actually followed the story kind of first time it was relayed to the public and then the follow-up and the lead up to. So I knew fully well who this individual was long before I saw it. Right. Um, so it just kind of colored my perception of it, but I still thoroughly enjoyed it. I think um, that's totally understandable, but I think I was in reverse, bro. Cause I, I saw the movie. Most people then. weren't. Yeah, then I did the research, and at that point, I was like, oh, and of course, the Jesse, the body, would he sued them or whatever, and all yeah. of that. Did so- you know how hard it is to win a posthumous yeah. <laughs> civil lawsuit like that? I, yeah. At least according to lawyers that broke down the case, and they're like, this yeah. is, you don't understand how rare this is. Right. So right. that's how much bullshit that dude was spewing, where even from the grave, people were like, nah. Uh, <laughs> nah. <laughs> yeah. Most times, most times we're willing to like kind of just let the, let it be yeah. buried with the dead. It's fine. The yeah. past is the past. Right. And so for them to go posthumously, <laughs> now he owes you, definitely owes you money. That's saying something. And yeah. uh, But for knowing sure. all of that going, it was like, it's an enjoyable movie. Yeah. But yeah. the guy might be in, you know, mostly full of shit. <laughs> um, anyway. Fair so enough. does that mean the one that I've been alluding to didn't make your list? I don't know. I'm I don't know. Sure, you know. Uh, what's your number? Well, uh, are you sure he directed it? Whichever one yeah. you're talking about. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, it's clearly not going to make it. So my deuce is Million Dollar Baby. Yeah, that's uh, my deuce. So yeah. Okay. Hmm. I wonder what you could be alluding to. I, yeah, I figured to make your list. I was thinking five, six, seven range in my head. Five, six, seven okay. is where. Okay. Just, just guessing blindly. I hope uh, are you thinking Jay Edgar? Because I, no, I okay, no. okay. The makeup on that is so bad it takes you out of any kind of enjoyment yeah, of watching completely, it. Completely. Doesn't matter how good the performance is at that, it just looks like shittily put on cake makeup. Yeah, agreed. Um, uh yeah. But what we've talked about uh uh dollar baby a million times. So we anything more we need it, to add on that one? Uh, you know, I said it once in the past, but I'll say it again. It actually mm. taught me something about boxing that I didn't know, which is just correct posture and oh, yeah. footwork specifically when you pivot into like a jab. I was like, look at that. I've been watching boxing for how long? And that (laughs) little tiny bit of technique helps me, but it fleshes out a certain physiological motion on top of it's a good drama. And then at the end, what happens at the end? I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But when he's talking to her and uh, translates, we'll say. Yeah. The one thing it's like, dude, just a gut punch. Mm hmm. So good. I resisted watching that movie for so long. I didn't want to believe the hype. I didn't think it was an uh, Oscar-worthy movie. I didn't watch it that year specifically because I saw the trailer and I thought it was bullshit and watched it a couple of years later. I was like, I was 100% wrong. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why I just poo-pooed it before I ever saw it, but that's why I don't watch trailers. I think we all have those films, man. We all think, eh, We do. You know, know. It happens. Yeah. I still haven't seen Slumdog Millionaire for that reason. I'm like, it can't be as good as people think. It's good. It's say. good. Is it great? No, okay. in my opinion. It's okay. not a Best Picture winner. Or Life of Pi. I've resisted both of those movies, it's and good. I've got to watch both those movies at some point. Life of Pi is good. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting kind of abstract concept, and then in the end, it asks a question of reality to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting for those, uh, you know, in those right. regards. Right. Uh, okay. And then uh, I guess our number ones are the same, right? Yeah. Unforgiven. Yeah. Again, so, what can we add? It's I know. You know. It's come up on. So it's awesome. It's yeah. just chef's kiss of a Western, of a movie, 
of a best picture winner of a actor directing a movie yeah. of a, just pick it, go ahead, throw a dart. You yeah. hit it. All of it. All of it. Great work yeah. from Gene Hackman, from um, Morgan Freeman, from Morgan Freeman. Yeah. The kid. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Francis I know. They, they, I can't recall another thing he was in. No, he stopped acting after that. he was oh, like, okay. I remember he was yelling. He was selling sea dues a few years later when they found him. Some <laughs> magazine found him and interviewed him. He's like, yeah, dude, I tried being a part of the Hollywood system. He was like, fuck that. I'd rather sell this shit. This is more enjoyable to me than putting myself out there and the bullshit that I have to do in that town. And this is like the 90s. So you imagine there are there are actors who tried to make it in this business in the 90s. Oh, and yeah. I bet they could tell you some of the most horrific stories of that experience. Probably getting propositioned constantly, probably having to do weird shit all the time to get in a position, like all that kind of shit. Just like women who are coming out now and speaking about what it was like for these producers in the 90s. Like, it's just so fucking true, man. Like, all that shit needs to come out. I wish they'd talk about it all. Put it all out there, man. Fuck. Um, but yeah, un- Unforgiven, great. Still great. Still, like I said, it's always between Searchers and Unforgiven, depending on the day you ask me. Which is my favorite Western and number one Western. It just, it's, I don't think that'll ever change. I don't anticipate a Western ever coming out that'll come close to those two, but who knows? Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Um, what's the movie you thought I was going to have on my list? Bird. Oh, yeah. No, a bird is good for the Forrest Whitaker performance, but not oh, for okay. the overall movie, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Just like, uh, yeah, I know you hate, I want to say, <laughs> just like Lincoln. I think it's not a good movie, in my opinion. But Danny DeLuis is great in it, so it's worth watching it for me. Same thing with Bird. I got I don't hate when you say that. I don't. <laughs> you said that like we've had a fight about that seven times. I'm just saying you like that movie so much. So. Oh, I do. Yeah. That you can unequivocally say. But to yeah. say that I hate it when you say that, I don't. I don't have an opinion on that. One way or the other, you yeah, I get it. To believe whatever you My like. opinions, I get it. My opinions don't yes. matter to you. Let's not quibble. No, 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 it's not that. It's just, <laughs> you know, positing my opinion of your opinion is, is another matter. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, all right. Well, there's our individual lists of the top 10 cleanings for directed movies. Now we're going to put it together for our official list. I've got the bongos right here, so I'm ready to go. Uh, whenever we uh, compile it, obviously one and two is the same. Yep. So where are we going? I would say it goes those two, then letters from Iwo Jima, because that's three, four. Yes. Um, and then probably Mystic River, right? Or Yeah, then probably Mystic River. Okay. And American Snipers, your three? Yeah, my three. So it's three seven. Yeah, that makes it next. Okay. Um, then I would say Richard Jewell. Okay. Now uh, that's one through six done. So we have four spots left: seven, eight, nine, and ten. Okay. We have. Did Grant Torino? Grant Torino in common. That's it. Oh yeah, because you didn't make you didn't put Invictus. That's right. Okay. No. So you want to do Grant Torino at yeah. seven, and then I'm cool with that. All right, so I have a um, perfect world. Oh, we don't have Richard Jewell yet. We both have that. Yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. That's six. I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, no worries. We got a perfect world six. Okay. And what do I have? Snipers. That, Snipers already on there. Melinda Baby's Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I've outlawed Josie Wales at six. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, 
Uh, I got a I'll give you here. a perfect. I'll give you a perfect world. That's fine. Right. I got no. I got no. Fair dogs. enough. That's fine. I'll allow Josie Will at seven. There's already the Western at number one, so that's all right. Um. All right, I have Invictus at seven. Do you have anything at seven? Fine. So Invictus it is. Okay. Cool. All right, there we go. All right, let's do this thing. The top 10 Clint Eastwood directed movies. Yeah. At number 10. Invictus. At number nine. Outlaw Josie Wales. At number eight. A Perfect World. At number seven. Gran Torino. At number six. Dickie Jewel. (laughs) At number five. American Sniper. At number four, Mystic River. At number three, Letters from Iwo Jima. At number two, Million Dollar Baby. And our number one top ten Clint Eastwood directed movie is is Unforgiven, which was unsurprising. Deserves got nothing to do with it. That's right. It's a masterpiece. Uh, Go watch it today if you haven't seen it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. There you go. Uh, all right. A lot of fun uh, for that, for this list, for sure. And uh, thanks, everybody, to for listening to this uh, episode or downloading this episode off our podcast feed. You can always do that. Some of you may only watch us on camera on YouTube. Our podcast feed is there as well. Please subscribe. Uh, Double up on the week, you know. Yeah, come on. Come on. Leave a, leave a review. Leave some stars, Please all that kind that. of stuff. Do all that kind of stuff. And if you're watching us on YouTube, leave a comment down below. Leave a like, share it on your social media. That helps us overall spread the word of the top, the gospel of the top 10, for God's sakes. Um, and um, for those patrons listening, next week will be our next live show. So please join us on that. Yeah. Uh, the link will be posted over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. And uh, it is for those individuals at $10 and above. So please join us. It uh, happens at uh, noon Pacific, 12 p.m. Pacific, uh, next Thursday. Actually, two days after you hear this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, we're doing it, which will be the 22nd. So please join us. And the uh, the link will be posted over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. Um, and you can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. Uh, check out Settle the Score and Dropping Dimes if you like a little NBA content in your life. And I think that's it, man. Cool. Uh, you can find me at the Roker says on Twitter and on Instagram. And hey, like Matt said, going live for the patrons, ten dollars above patrons next week. And it's a boss hog topic. And maybe, Correct. just maybe, we can get the person whose topic we selected to come on live to read their list. That could be a fun little gift if they've got time. Uh, so we'll see if we can make that happen. For sure, I'll build the show early so we can send out the link early, and and maybe that person can come on and join us for the last part. Quite of possibly, the show. could be a lot of fun. Uh, and those are the things you can get. Those are the quick perks you can get here being a patron of the top ten. Uh, as I said, follow me at the Roker says on Twitter and on Instagram. If you want to go and see the stuff I'm doing on my YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash John Roca says all the stuff we got going on there, all the reviews and everything we're jumping into Falcon and Winter Soldier. Geek Buddies, and of course, the Cinephiles. All right, that's it. Take care of yourselves. Be well, and we'll talk to you next time on another brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. Ooh.